0: Listener Production. On today's episode of Footy Talk, we touch on the healing ceremony at Vic Park last night, marking the 30-year anniversary of Nikki Winmar's proud stance against racism. We've got all the MRO findings with Nita, who just so happens to sit on the tribunal jury. And we also chat with Matthew Buck, the Carlton Footy Club's new AFLW coach, and how they are shaping up ahead of Season 8. G'day, guys, and welcome back to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy with all the latest news, interviews, and analysis from the world of AFL. Abby Holmes in the host chair today, and alongside me, we've got 306 game demons legend and craft beer connoisseur, Brewmanity's very own David Neitz. Neeta.
1: Hi. Uh- Abby, no, how are you? How are you going?
0: I'm very, very well, very well. We were just chatting before we got stuck in here. You had severe FOMO about not being a gather round, but what was it that really stood out to you across round five?
1: No, I did. I did wasn't it wasn't it a demons game, I can absolutely <laughs> assure you of that, but um Look, I suppose being a Melbourne man, I've got to say the uh, the proposition of Mount Barker was pretty impressive. Yeah. With uh, had all the wineries out there and the uh, uh, and the artisan foods and cheeses, it was yeah. very good. I think the demons should be scheduled there next year. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me.
0: Well, Adelaide was a total vibe, so make sure that you're there for the next three years. Oh, it has been
1: booked. My, s- my ticket straight away. <laughs>
0: Love that, love that. Well, well, there's so much to get through on today's Footy Talk podcast. We've got plenty of news and stories coming your way. But straight off the top, Nita, I want to touch on what happened last night at Vic Park. So more than a 1,000 people flocked to Victoria Park uh, for a traditional healing ceremony, marking the 30-year anniversary, of course, of Nikki Winmar's proud stance against racism. Some of the game's greatest Indigenous players, both past and present, were in attendance and on the weekend, of course, the Saints and the Pies running through that joint banner to, I, I guess, you know, commemorate the 30 year celebration of, of yes, an incredibly challenging time for Nikki and all Indigenous Australians across the country. But it was a momentous occasion last night, and something that I, I was really proud to see.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, look, I still remember 30 years ago when Nikki made that gesture out of absolute frustration, and yep. there's been a you know, obviously a strong history in that. Uh, and the AFL have done so much work in this in that space over a long period of time to get better. Um, obviously, we had the Jamara, mm. uh and the incidents that are still going on now. So we've still got some some ways to go. But I think to get that support, to get thousand people, to have uh, the teams over the weekend running through the joint banner together, it just solidifies the commitment, I guess. To Talking about these issues and by talking about it, understanding we'll just get better and better at it. But, um, you know, it's 30 years ago. You would have hoped we'd come even further, but yeah. we've still got ways to go. But um uh, good on the AFL, good on Nicky Winmar, good on the Collingwood St yeah. Kilda football clubs for really showing a, a line on, on yeah. that subject. Jeff
0: Brown, president of Collingwood, was there. Darcy Moore as well, skipper. And I just want to read what Darcy Moore had to say. So he said, Nicky has left an extraordinary legacy and he's left a powerful impact on so many of us here. Seeing the young ones here today really inspires me to keep working towards a shared future where we can all walk together in solidarity. It's an honour to be here today. Gee, Darcy Moore's an impressive human being, isn't
1: he? he? He is. He is. And I know that, you know, and the Pies in particular, a few years ago, there was a lot of controversy there and Darcy uh, was one of the ones that really wanted to stand up um, in, in 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 that situation for the Pies. So uh, he continues to do that. Impressive player and yeah. impressive young man.
0: He certainly is. Now, I want to ask you about the West Coast Eagles. It's come out over the last 24 to 48 hours that the West Coast have requested additional home game after gather round of course where do you see the West Coast Eagles at looking at some of their injuries you've got Yo, Shuey, McGovern, Nick Nat some of their biggest names on the sidelines their waffle team Nita got done by 169 points over the weekend they might not even have a side to field um, next weekend in the waffle. So where do you see the Eagles sitting?
1: Yeah, look, it's, <laughs> it looks pretty dire for oh, them. At moment. I shouldn't be laughing, but it does look pretty dire for them. And you know, the, over the recent history, they've uh, obviously they uh, played off in a grand grand final, won a grand final, mm. and the game kind of shifted a bit away from them uh, from there. You know, COVID, they didn't necessarily manage that amazingly well, and then yeah. they've been hit by a terrible run of injuries and uh, and so they're big names as well. So uh, they find themselves in a tough tough spot and. And and with the lack of players, you know, it's no wonder mm. that they get done. But but 140 points in the waffles, yeah. uh, Jesus, it's uh, it's a hard time to find positivity at the West.
0: Yeah, Gavin Bell said that they've got somewhere between 15 and 17 players unavailable due to injury. But I've got a question for you. Obviously, you captained the Melbourne Footy Club for a number of years, but. As a senior player, as a leader, what do you need to do for morale for a footy club when it's in this situation? Yes, you, you don't have a lot of your, your senior players, and your leaders actually out there running around. So how do you keep the morale up and, I guess, keep the energy at an all time high?
1: Yeah, look, I guess look, you've got to find you've got to find little things to win. You've got to have a win win along the way, but um, but look, times do get tough at uh, particular stages and. See, I remember, and people come up with crazy ideas of what you need to do to get better. I, I remember it might have been back in '97. Oh, I think it might have been, and um, we had uh, David Schwartz had done gone down yeah. for his second knee reconstruction. Uh, Gary Lyon was out with a back injury. We had everyone, everyone was out um, at the demons, and I, I think it was uh, Darren O'Brien was the guy's name, and he came out and said, "You know what, boys? You know, I see everyone coming out <laughs> of the ground. Their socks are down." <laughs> We're going to lift our socks up, boys, and you know, really look like a team, act like a play like a team, and then we're going to come out and we're going to crush them. <sighs> so anyway, we had the big team talk. We, before the game, everyone pulled their socks up. We run out strong and proud. We didn't win, of course, Dad, but, no. <laughs> but it gave us a little bit of extra motivation, a bit of fight and fire in our belly. But you've just got to find little ways and little things to keep your, your spirit, the morale, the morale up. Um, what else did we do? We had, At remember, least you looked
0: like a team, We looked you? like a
1: team. <laughs> we had a training session once, and I think – might have been when Alistair Clarkson was playing for us and the guy named Anthony MacDonald was pouring down rain in the middle of winter, things weren't going well. Well, they ripped their shirts off. We did a topless training session <laughs> in the freezing cold in the middle of Melbourne. Just got to find ways to keep mm. the spirit and energy up in the team and, uh, and then you give yourself a chance with positive thought yep. that you can turn it around.
0: Well, fingers crossed the Eagles can do that. As we said, a number of their their leaders and their stars still missing through injury. Some other brutal injuries from the weekend. Obviously, Chad Wingard with that lacerated tongue, but he's had surgery, Nita, and he looks to be good to go for this weekend. Jack Rewalt as well copped a massive cut to that head in the opening term on Friday night. I interviewed him post game. He had eight staples in his head. Uh, that's certainly going to leave a scar, isn't
1: it? It it will, it will. The (laughs) lacerated tongue is a bit of a concern for me. You'd reckon you'd put a a mouth guard in, wouldn't you? You, One would
0: think, one would think. Mason Cox has also opened up a little more about... His injury, we were initially told that it was a, you know, a broken rib, um, but it's now come to light that he's had some pretty significant internal bleeding and, um, you know, some issues with his spleen as well. So that's something that you, you certainly don't want to play around with, is it? No,
1: no, it's not. And, 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 and yeah, the pies, you know, that, that ruck uh, space for them is just a really tough position for the, mm. them to, to fill in an, important, in an important stage of the year for them, really.
0: Brent Harvey broke his leg in a game for North Heidelberg. <laughs> horrific, apparently, and, and he had to wait 40-odd minutes for an ambulance.
1: No, not, not fun at all. Ooh. I have broken the leg. And, um, yeah, once, once the pain kicks in, it really kicks in. So, yeah. now, feel for Boomer. I hope he's uh, recovering well.
0: <laughs> and Jeremy Howe, he spoke last night on AFL 360, and he's had four surgeries since that horrific uh, broken arm incident in round one. So, let's take a listen as to what he had to say on 360 last night.
2: I'll be running fit. It's just a matter of trying to get used to balls and that, and how long that takes is um, hard to say. Are you nervous about the unknown of that? Yeah, well, I guess when you start talking about nerve damage and stuff like that and how long that comes back, I feel like the way that I'm progressing, I'm not too concerned. I know it'll come back, but how long that takes, I'm not too sure. Um, it's side is 300 in seven weeks. I would love to make that, but um, I think that's uh, clutching at straws a little bit. But uh, if I get back to play at any stage, I'll be really happy.
1: What are we thinking? Yeah. Look, I think uh, he will come back. Obviously, we were hoping that he'd just come back straight away. To the, you know, it was a broken bone, the bone mends, and it gets back out there. But with the added complication, mm. it does make it a bit harder. I know he won't be that happy about um, if you're going to break anything, the broken arm, you can still run, and yeah. there's, there's some torture sessions for him. But, but look... I think he w- he gets back towards the end of the season. It'll be a massive injection for the Collingwood Footy Club. He doesn't have to worry about sides in seven games' time. Yeah. There's, a, there's bigger fish to fry for him. So uh, put himself on ice, Jeremy, and then uh, get yourself ready for later on in the year, I'd say.
0: I don't know what it is about Jeremy Howe, but to me he's always had that untouchable or invincible kind of presence around him, just in the way that he obviously approaches the aerial contest and, yes, what he can do at ground level. So as you said... Um, you know, don't worry about being back in seven weeks, but we do hope that he's back as soon as he possibly can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's, a, he's, a, he's just a superstar for the game, mm. isn't he? Should be at the Demons still.
0: Now, this is a tough one for you, but we need to touch on the AFL Tribunal last night. You, of yep. course, sit on the jury, so we understand that you've got some... Obviously, allegiances there, but a massive night. Three out of the top four teams have been affected. So I want to touch on the Zach Merritt and Taylor Adams incidences first. Both of these players had their one match band upheld. They will unfortunately miss out on one of the biggest games of the year, of course, the ANZAC Day game on Tuesday. But where do you sit on these?
1: Well, it's probably clearer. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't sitting on the uh, on the on the Zach Merritt one. I've got yep. to say. Um, but uh, I did on the Taylor Adams one. So, um, but look, I, I guess you know, Drew. There's what is there? There's probably 800 tackles yep. each week, and we've got two that, that have come up that have uh, that have been cited for the dangerous tackle. So, I think players just going to be a little bit more careful and understanding. I think they are in in, in the large part, but obviously um, these things take a bit of time. There's been, I think a pretty clear message of, of where the MRO sees uh, these types of tackles. Uh, and so far, it's pretty much been backed up when it comes to the tribunal. And players will get better and better at, at, at how they approach their their tackling techniques. So, as I say, you know, 800 tackles each week. There's two that show up, and I think uh, players will get better and better at it.
0: So, from an N- MRO point of view, it's not necessarily about the result, is it, of a tackle? Because you look at the the merit one um, on Sparrow. Yep. He bounced, you know, there, there wasn't an injury as such to the head. Um, but it's more about obviously the potential injury, isn't it as well?
1: Well, that's the, that's the, that's the thing. I think, um, everyone's sort of got a greater understanding these days with, um, with science and all the medical research that's coming out. There is, a, a, Well, it's known now that there's a significant risk to to injury. So um, I think the game's got a responsibility to be aware of that. Um, The rules have changed because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, The emphasis placed on on the potential to cause injury, you know, some of these... um, Some of these instances may, you look at it and say, well, that's actually quite low, but it's the potential, it's the action, um, those types of things really come
0: into play. I know that you just mentioned, you know, 800-odd tackles across a weekend of footy, and we're looking at two, yes, but from a player's perspective and a club perspective, do we potentially need to complete an overhaul into the current Tackle technique, because I know, and you might have been the same, that you spend a lot of time in the preseason with martial arts specialists or MMA guys, really trying to, I guess, perfect that technique. But with the the added concern and the added emphasis and the focus on, you know, really protecting the heads and not allowing any injury to to happen to an opposition on that side of things, do we need to relook at it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think they're probably already. They they if they haven't re looked at it they they ought to have already re yeah. re looked at the, those those technique issues and it's what is it it's the sling tackle it's the dump tackle it's those types of those types of where someone's whipped to the ground mm. where they've got an opportunity to whip their head into the ground and do some serious damage so so I I would have thought that um, all clubs would have already looked at their tackling tackling technique um, over the course of the preseason it's not not nothing that's new um, but I guess. I guess there's probably some greater emphasis from the MRO on the potential and the AFL's um, legal counsel on the potential to cause injury.
0: What about from an umpire's perspective and their responsibility? Because they too can. I guess, impact the outcome, whether it would be blowing the whistle earlier or, or I guess where do you see from an umpire's yeah, perspective? I, I, well? I, think
1: there's, I think there's something in, potentially in that. It's, yeah. it's, I guess it's the whole game looking at it. The players look at it, the coaches staff look at it. Obviously the MRO and Tribunal and the AFL have looked at it. Um, so, yeah, from an umpiring point of view, maybe there are some tweaks um, that, they could, that they could make, whether they make the call a little bit earlier um, yeah. one way or the other and then uh, players release the tackle mm. earlier. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a valid um, valid thing to explore, I reckon.
0: And just f- for our viewers perspective because a lot a lot of people don't actually know what goes on behind the scenes with the jury at the tribunal. <laughs> yeah. So what what you said last night you sat on Taylor Adams of course with the Collingwood Footy Club, but what actually goes on behind the scenes as to, you know, coming out with that finding.
1: Uh, I look, I guess the way it used to it used to be that you had three pass players. It's like a like doing jury duty, you know. Uh, but it's but you've got Three past players that it used to be, these days there's now got they've now got a king's counsellor who sits in on that because there's to understand the legal parameters. And then you've got a couple of past players who've had experience um, in the game and can sort of assess the evidence that's that's mm-hmm. been put forward. Obviously, there's legal representation from the AFL and from the player, uh, and then there's the vision that you see, and then you just try and assess well, what is it that you see? What do the rules say? Um, and, and sort of come to, a, come to a decision on that. So, you know, there's 12 different, uh, or 12 or 13 maybe, you know, different past players that sit on that in a rotating basis. So, you know, people are going to have some differing views every now and then within those group of 12, mm. 12 people. But I, I guess the, uh, the AFL, the way that they write the rules and the guidelines help to sort of guide the past players and the King's Council to come to a decision.
0: Well, it is as it currently stands. Zach Merritt, unfortunately, he won't be leading his side out. His first Anzac Day as skipper as well. He has had that one match suspension upheld. Taylor Adams as well. And Anthony Caminidi, three matches with that hit on Nathan Murphy. So that was downgraded from intentional to careless. The AFL originally wanted five matches, but Anthony Caminiti has been suspended for three. So bad news there if you are Saints fans, but good news that Tim Membry is apparently not that far away. He got through a VFL match on the weekend and is looking likely to come back into the side this week. Nita, we've got to take a break, but you are listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button and leave us a review or rating. We've got new episodes coming your way every day at lunchtime. Welcome back to Footy Talk. Unita. I am so excited. We're about to jump on and chat to Matthew Buck, who's just been appointed the new AFLW coach for the Carlton Footy Club ahead of Round 8, of course, kicking off in August this year. So, Maddie is on the line. Thanks for joining us.
2: No, nice to be on.
0: (laughs) Now, you've been a part of the Footy Club since 2021 as VFL Senior Assistant with the Reserves alongside Lukey Power, but... How, how did this all come about, first and foremost, and are you excited to get stuck in?
2: Yeah, so yeah, I have been around a little while, which has been nice in terms of the transition into this role. Um, but yeah, I had some guidance under Dan O'Keefe uh, for a little while in the VFL system and then Luke Power. Um, and how it came about was I started doing some skill sessions with the AFLW players um, while they had no coaches. Uh, and found that I really enjoyed my time doing that. Um, Brad Lloyd um, had a, come and had a conversation with me about jumping into the process and, yeah, put my hat in the ring and and went through it and, and yeah, obviously got the job. So uh, excited to be into it now and, and looking forward to getting started.
1: And, uh, and Matt, you had a little bit of experience with Choco Williams, who's obviously uh, at the Demons at the moment. Uh, well, I have run into him a few times over the journey. He's an interesting character. Did you uh, – uh, and obviously very wise as well from a footy perspective. What did you take uh, out of your time with him? Yes, yeah, so I was really fortunate, and that was probably my
2: first move into more professional-type co- coaching. So um, that was at Werribee just before COVID hit, and I loved my time under Choco, and, and you learn a lot. So he's really specific with how he wants the game to be taught and his expectations on his coaches. Um, so I learned a lot around what driving performance and what driving expectations look like. Uh, as well as like how, how to teach fundamentals and the basics, which is obviously what he's really good at and he's kicking stuff sec- second to none. So I've, I've taken that with me and look forward to kind of putting in this program. But no, he's, he's a great man and I, I definitely enjoyed my time.
0: Hey, Maddie, you've taken over the helm from Daniel Harford, 14th in Season 7. What is it that you're looking for and looking to build to try and really, I guess, run your way up that ladder?
2: Well, yeah, we're going to go back and start with the fundamentals of the game Um, and I'm really big on that and obviously experience with Choco has kind of planted that seed with me around we have to be really strong and solid in that so that when big moments come, our, our fundamentals are nice and sound. I haven't put my vision up too much further than that, so we're going fundamentals into contest and then we'll look at what other layers we add to it once we get a good handle of where the group's at. The girls have already taken that on really well, um, which has been great. And then, yeah, I'm excited to see where we can get to, but I can't say I've spent too much time thinking about where that is at the moment.
1: And how have you gone with the, with the girls? Um, building the relationships, obviously very important when you first step in. Um, how's that sort of journey been for you so far? Well, in a way, I've been really fortunate, but
2: because I got to do those skill sessions with them prior to being announced as the coach, I got to... Kind of build those relationships with them without having that tag of, you know, I'm the person who makes the decisions. So they had their guard down, which was nice. So I, I got to know uh, probably 95% of the group. And, and then when I got announced, a lot of them didn't see that coming either. So I walked around the corner into the theatre and um, they actually cheered, which was nice. There's no booze or anything like that. So they were excited <laughs> for it to be happening. And um, yeah, I think that ability to build those relationships early has put me in a really strong spot now where. We can have nice open conversations about their experiences and, Things they've loved and things they'd like to see done better.
0: It's always nice not to cop any booze, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, do
1: you find any little characters amongst yeah. the group in the early days before you were the uh, had the moniker of the head coach? Yeah, look, Mimi Mimi Hill has some energy, um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll have like to handle that one. I think. What yeah, do you um, think, uh, Mimi Hill has Mimi, some energy? Mimi, actually, means? <laughs> oh no,
0: she does. She's yeah, we absolutely love Mimi Hill from a broadcast perspective. What she brings to the group, but I'm sure she's yeah, an absolute character around. Around the club, Maddie.
2: No, no, she she certainly is, and she promises me she's very coachable as well as you know. So she likes to have a good time, but extremely coachable. So no, I'm I'm looking forward to working with Mimi. She's obviously a, a very good player, and um, I look forward to taking some more steps.
0: It's an exciting list, though, isn't it, Matt? Like, you've got a number of the the squad, I guess you know, 23 years or younger. Um, you must be really pumped to get in, obviously, with your development background as well, but. Just on your expectations this year, obviously you would be looking to climb your way up the ladder, but where where are you sitting with your expectations on this playing group?
2: I really I really want to be a competitive side and a hard side to play against. That's probably where we're going to start, to be honest. My understanding around the whole women's competition and where the other teams are at is probably something um, that I'm still getting to work on right now. Um, so just really catching up with that. But if if we can confidently say... We're we're a hard side to play against. We play tough, contested football. Uh, That'll be a nice start, and and I hope that, you know, everything else will kind of take care of itself after that.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have a chat, and best of luck with everything across the preseason, and I have no doubts that you'll hit the ground running ahead of Season 8.
2: Absolutely. Good luck, Matt. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much, guys.
0: Ethan Meldrum has jumped in to give us three stats that are really screaming out at him across Round 5. Ethan, always great to see you.
3: G'day to you, Abs. G'day to you, Nita. I'm going to start. uh, Sam Taylor, Um, of course, the All-Australian centre-half back from last year. Saw him in the flesh at Norwood on Sunday. He was unbelievable. His one-on-one numbers, this will relate to you, Nita, his one-on-one numbers are off the charts. What are you
0: systems. saying? My one-on-one numbers aren't great. <laughs> Have you looked at mine?
3: The <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> AFLW numbers numbers go back that far, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and certainly certainly don't to, to like the 2000s or whatever. Yeah. But Sam Taylor, so the AFL average for winning a one-on-one contest. Normally you win 30, draw 40, lose 30%. Yep. Uh, at, up to 100. Sam Taylor last year, like really good numbers. He only lost 14% of the time at a one-on-one contest. So like, he was better than you know, better than half, essentially. Way above the comp average. This year... 167% of his one-on-ones. Wow. Drawn about the average, drawn about 28 and he's lost one one-on-one contest this year. Wow, he's crazy. lost he's always lost 5% out of his 18 one-on-one contests. He's lost one. Leads the league in intercepts, second in intercept marks. He's having an unbelievable start to the year better than what he was last year when he was All-Australian.
1: That is some amazing statistics. And just the trust and the faith that they've got him to do Mm. the job week in, week out is just enormous.
0: I think he might be contracted until the end of 2025. So he's still got a couple of years, you know, up his sleeve at the Giants. But...
1: But if you're the Giants, if you're, you're up there, you're you're searching for ways to sign him Lock and extend him. Lock
0: that fella him. down ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> Lock think him down.
3: 17 clubs knocking for him when that contract's up. Uh, the Bombers, of course, they're 4-1. and one, Terrific start to the year. Anzac Day looks big uh, next Tuesday. I think what they've done really well this year is they're focused on a strength of theirs last year, which was their ball movement, was their kicking. Sort of flipped things around this year. Uh, they're now number one in the league for kicking efficiency. Looking at their numbers from last year to this year, they're now kicking a lot shorter, uh, kicking around the boundary a mm. lot more, kicking longer a lot less. Uh, so their, their long kick percentage, for example, has gone from number three in the comp last year, a lot of long down the line stuff. It's now 15th in the comp. Mm. and their, their ball moving around the boundary has gone to number four. I think the end result from that is that their scores from, their scores from turnover has now skyrocketed. Last year they were ranked 16th in the competition that was ahead of West Coast and North Melbourne who were terrible last yeah. year.
0: And that's borne off the back of their pressure as well. They've just right. got this added energy around them, the pressure up around, you know, the footy and the ball carrier to create those turnovers. But then through the ball movement, they're putting on scores from that aspect. And I,
1: and I wonder whether, um, you know, I wonder whether a, uh, a negative in Big Peter Wright going down at the start of the season has actually turned into a positive and forced them into that sort of style yeah. of play where, well, we actually can't just do the, uh, the easy bomb down the line kick. Mm. We've got to search for something and it's turned into a huge positive for them.
3: Yeah, and Sam Wiedemann going out as well. Correct. So uh, they had a really small forward line a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they're now kicking like they can't do those long kicks and it shows in the stats. And now they're number one in the league for like when they, when they intercept the ball, they, on average, gain 56 metres of territory, which is number one in the comp by a long way. Mm. So this change in ball movement, really working benefits for Eston, second in the league for scores from turnovers. Mm. Real good chance against Collingwood, I feel like. Oh, oh it'll be a massive game. Huge. It's, isn't it set up? Bring, bring, on, it, Tuesday. bring it
0: on Tuesday.
3: Bring on Tuesday. Bring on Tuesday. The third one, Tim English, now now overtaken Scott Pendlebury, who we touched on a couple of weeks ago, as the number one rated player in the game, wow. averaging 21 disposals, 26 hit-outs, 10 hit-outs to advantage. No one has averaged those three stats in unison since since all three stats were recorded. Mm. Uh, We're talking like, you know, got to go back to like a Gary Dempsey, for example, to find someone who averaged 20 touches and like 26 hit outs or, you know, stupid numbers like that. Seven marks a game, ridiculous numbers. No one's really putting together a string of numbers like Tim English is. He's the number one Ruckman in the game at the moment statistically.
1: Yeah, look, and I reckon you could see this coming from two or three years ago, you know, when he was a, he was still a skinny kid coming through, but he had all these attributes. His skill level was fantastic. Picking the ball up off the ground, all these all these elements to his game, but he just didn't have the frame. You mm-hmm. know, uh, he'd play against the Maxi Gorns and get pushed off too easily in the ruck contest, but you could see it coming and now it's really come together brilliantly yeah. and he's, he's had a flyer start of a start to the season.
0: Hey, I can't wait for Friday night footy at Optus Stadium. It is, of course, um, the Western Bulldogs taking on Frio. But speaking of Tim English, yeah. that match-up with him and Sean Darcy is an absolute watch, isn't it? Because Darcy had the upper hand against Tim English in the finals last year. So... How do you think that one's going to play out?
3: Oh, he did. Yeah, Sean Darcy had forty-seven hitouts in that Ooh. game. And again, you talk about like Tim English being a, like a really slowly developing ruckman. Sean Darcy is the opposite. The opposite of, of that, yeah, he's come in and hit the ground. <laughs> he's running, always hasn't been he? a big boy, and he throws himself around. So yeah, big watch on that one. Of yeah, course, the replay different from the...
1: T- two different styles of ruck mm. really, isn't it, coming together? So um, yeah, great great battle within the battle. Big game for.
0: Both clubs on Friday night. Ethan, you're a star as always. Thank you for those three stats. Thanks, guys. But quickly, before we let Nita go, let's talk on the Ds. Very, very We spoke about Essendon and how good they were at Adelaide Oval on Saturday afternoon. But your Ds, do you see them responding strongly against Richmond on Monday?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I do. It's a massive game again. You know, the uh, Anzac Day Eve, under lights, um, the light horsemen around the MCG. It's just a fantastic spectacle. Um, And I know that the Demons boys will be up and and about. Mm. Uh, The Tigers as well. You know, it's a huge game. Um, Mm. You know, both teams... I think, really honour the game so well. Um, it'll be a big clash on the weekend.
0: Eith, some of the names that are potentially coming back for the Ds. Maxie Gorn. He's yeah. returned to full training. Yeah. Andy Jake Lever. Not bad. Michael Hibbert. He goes okay. Ben Brown. <laughs> big be, be pretty Bound. He There's was literally
1: some... uh, goal, goal kicking before he went yeah. down with injury. So, no, some huge, huge ins uh, for the Demons, which is uh, super exciting.
0: Who do you reckon on that one, Eith?
3: Uh, I reckon the D's win that one I reckon they really miss Jake Lever particularly On the weekend, you know, you saw a couple of highballs The Bombers were running in And I think he really helps organise that Backline mm, for me He does, so. he does And you know,
1: I'm still not, not certain as to how We got the red eye home from Perth the week before <laughs> Last week and then another flight over to Adelaide Surely we were a bit flat After that But, yeah. um, but anyway, no, I think we'll respond uh, And respond well The Demons
0: Round yeah. 6 is going to be massive, there's no doubt about that Ethan Meldrum, David Neats, thank you for joining us
1: Thanks Abby. Thanks Abby.
0: You have been listening to Footy Talk. Of course, if you have a question for us, get us on Instagram at Footy Talk underscore Pod or on TikTok at Footy Talk Pod. Tomorrow, Daisy and Heath Shaw will be in the studio. We'll see you then. Bye.
1: Listener.